You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. Sure. This Welcome, let me back. Know. Welcome back mm-hmm. to uh, Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750, 312-255-8408, 312-255-8408. You can also get us on YouTube.com slash Catholic Chicago. Father Greg Sackowitz, Director of the Cathedral and Executive Director is Mark Teresi. Great first half program, no. but the second half will be close to our hearts, Mark. So yes. Niles College Seminary of Loyola University educated and formed men for the priesthood in the Archdiocese of Chicago for 33 years from 1961 through 1994, and during that time witnessed great changes both in the church and in society. Now researchers, alumni, and others interested in the seminary's history can learn more by examining a new collection at the Joseph Cardinal Bernardine Archives and Records Center. The Niles College Seminary Collection includes everything from the rector's logbooks to yearbooks to photographs and newspaper articles about the seminary which educated men in their undergraduate undergraduate years for most of existence. Join us in studio is archivist Charles Heinrich. Charles, welcome to the program this morning. This will be a great half hour. Welcome to the program, Charles. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Father Greg. It's a pleasure to talk about uh, the archives, uh, what the archives does, and about Niles College, about the seminary, the college seminary for the archdiocese. Anything in the archives about Father Greg's academic career at (laughs) Niles College? Uh, You know what? I have to be very careful in how I respond to this question. (laughs) (laughs) If you hope to see your family again. <laughs> it's yeah, interesting. This is a soundproof room. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting, Charles, is that you have two alum of the college seminary. I graduated class of 75 from Niles College Seminary. Mark, class of 77. So Mark and I have been friends now this fall. We met 50 years ago in the fall of 73, when I was a junior and Mark came out of Quigley, this building here, as a freshman. And then Mark and I, some years later, I joined the faculty when Father Bob McLaughlin was the rector. I was there from 85 to 92 as the vocation director, director of admissions. I taught theology, uh, communications, also I was a, a dorm priest director. And Mark was dean of students. And what else you were? Uh, then went into community and relations and development. No, also I did, three I did communications under the new rector in 1990, Father Cleet Kiley. Right, yes, exactly. And uh, then I left in 92 to go to St. Mary of the Woods in Edgebrook as a, an associate. And Mark, I think you left in 93, the year before the closing? Uh, you mean the move? Yeah. To St. Joe's? Exactly. Yeah, the year before. Now, what's interesting is that is, uh, I mean, Mark and I could spend an hour telling stories. We want to make sure you get into this. And that is the, <laughs> so night, jump right be- in. the night before the wrecking ball came in 1994 or 1995 to knock the whole building down, okay. my buddy Wayne Madras and I had me in the neighborhood. We crossed into the, through the fence. Mm. It was an opening. We walked through the whole building wow. of Meyer and Stritch and the chapel 
knowing that the wrecking ball was coming tomorrow morning, mm-hmm. and we went into uh, all the rooms. I reminisced was talking to Wayne about this was this, this was that, this was my classroom, this was my dorm, and it was fun. But people forget, though, is I'm sure, Charles, you'll go into this history. People forget it. It'd be, the building began in 1910 yes. as St. Hedwig's Industrial Orphan. Polish Orphanage yes. from 1910 to 1961. And so I guess what maybe would begin for you is how did you get interested in this particular area of history, the college seminary? Well, the college seminary um, is an important part of uh, my family, my family as well. Uh, I went to uh, Quigley uh, High School Seminary here, Quigley North, or at the time, oh, sure. Archbishop, Archbishop Quigley, Quigley Preparatory Seminary, both me and my older brother. And uh, my brother went on to uh, St. Joseph College Seminary, which was the successor of Niles College when it moved in 1994 to Loyola University's campus in Rogers Park. So uh, I know a lot of friends, both from Quigley and from uh, St. Joseph College Seminary, you know, that went through the seminary system. So I've always had that. Uh, but really, we had all of this material of the college seminary um, and from the, both the Quigleys, um, St. Joseph's, at the archives. And at a certain point, uh, the director of the archives, Meg Hall, uh, came to me and said, you know, Charles, we have all of these boxes of uh, historical records, institutional records of the seminaries, but uh, no one's looked at them, no one's done anything with them. You know, with Niles College now for over over 30 years, uh, you know, I want, we both had a discussion and we wanted to do something that one would make people know that this material exists, that it's out there, and that it could be used because before that point, it had just been sitting in boxes, disorganized. No one had looked at them in decades, and it was also even scattered around. Some of it was still at the old St. Joe's building mm. on Loyola's campus. You know, you had to go, I had to go out physically, uh, you know, uh, collecting these records mm-hmm. and things like that. And the goal was to make it so that the seminary uh, people would understand a little bit more about the college seminary system and really kind of the trailblazing uh, path that Niles College took, one being like one of the early, you know, college seminary Mm -hmm. and junior college seminary systems, you know, but not only for the city, but beyond. When it broke it up from Quigley to Mundelein to Quigley to Niles and then to... Now, I have a question. This is probably practical, and you may... This might be helpful, very helpful to me. So our 50th is coming up here at Quigley mm-hmm. soon. So you're in the archives, and I want to get some stuff from for the Quigley 50th. Mm. What do I do? Well, you would uh, contact the archives. Can uh, I call, call you directly right here? Uh, you can talk to me right now, <laughs> but uh, no, we'll, we'll wait till after the program. Okay, yes, uh, yes, but, yes. But, but no, you would contact for people. We get those types of requests all the time, uh, either genealogical or student uh, alumni requests. They contact the archives through our website or through our uh, telephone. And, uh, you know, we often charge a, uh, a nominal research fee to find this material, to crawl back uh, into all the boxes and find what you're looking mm-hmm. for. And uh, then we try to, you know, hook you up. So that's good. And then after the show, we'll talk. <laughs> now, could, now along, along those lines is, in going through all these boxes in Charles, there had to be an incredible amount of material. 
and probably took you a long time to sort out or to organize. Months. In all that you went through, what were some of the most fascinating pieces you found? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, this was a real treat uh, for me um, to look. It's always so wonderful to discover something entirely new and learn. Because I had known about the college seminary, and I had known about Niles. My pastors had went to Niles College, etc. But uh, I think one of the most fascinating things I found were, you mentioned in the intro to the program, were the rector's logbooks. And uh, the first rector of, Mundelein, or of Niles College, uh, Monsignor Eugene Lyons, mm-hmm. who you might uh, remember and know, uh, he started the practice, him and his staff, of keeping an almost, uh, there are these big, thick, bound volumes of almost like a day-by-day account of what was happening in the seminary. Really? Wow. Uh, letters between him and Cardinal Cody, um, you know, all of the different, um, stu- all the different um, student uh, publications. He collected all of this stuff, and you almost have like this very intimate look at what was happening uh, inside the seminary. What popped up when you were reviewing those uh, journals? Um, what popped up? What, what surprised you? Anything? Uh, you know what? When Niles College was founded, um, it almost immediately was thrown into extreme flux. And that's very fascinating to me because it started in 1961. And, and if you think about it, one year later, they go through all this trouble of creating the seminary rule, a rule for seminarians. But then Vatican II, the council happens, mm-hmm. which throws everything up into the air. And then right around the corner, you have the huge social upheavals of the 1960s, the Vietnam War, the civil rights movements, um, you know, all of the changes going on in Chicago. And the seminarians are right in the middle of all that. They're being absorbed by that, you know, very um, um, chaotic culture and the seminary and the between the interplay between the seminarian, the seminarians themselves and the faculty trying to keep mm-hmm. a rein on this and trying to, you know, in some ways shield the the seminarians from uh, their own actions and uh, the the wider culture around them is now, quite fascinating. Another another interesting story is that what people forget is when it began in 1961. It was a two-year two year, right. college yes. seminary. So you'd have the guys at Quigley, two years college seminary, those going on to the theology at mm-hmm. Mundelein, St. Mary of the Lake. But in terms of just real history, I was saying this to uh, Mark a few days ago. When I joined the faculty in 1985, mm-hmm. it was the summer of 1986. I was waiting to get picked up on a Sunday or a Mon- or, yeah, Sunday afternoon um, on Harlem and Tui there. But I was by the old building called Chardin. Yes. which was a former convent mm-hmm. in the days when it was, which was a Polish orphanage. And I was noticing a guy with one of those Geiger counters going along, combing along the ground looking for coins. And I said, geez, have you found anything interesting here when you comb the grounds here? He pulled out of his pocket a 1905 Indian nickel. <laughs> so not the Buffalo nickel, which started, I think, in 1913, but the Indian nickel right. from 1905. So historically... If the building opened up as an orphanage in 1910, I know on those days, in the early days, every Sunday afternoon, families would come visit their children in the orphanage. So I can just imagine some mother or father lost a nickel on the lawn. He got buried under the surface. This guy found it mm-hmm. 70 years later, Right, a, a nickel like that. And also, Mark, you've got that fascinating story. Uh, in fact, save the story about the, the swimming pool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, but now, take Mark, take us to break. Yeah, WNDZ, 750 AM, Catholic Chicago, 312. 
255-8408. You go to youtube.com slash Catholic Chicago. We'll be back with Charles Heinrich in a few minutes and talk about more of our Niles uh, experiences. And I'd also like to throw some names at you and see what you learned in terms of your research. Mm. We'll be back in a few minutes. Please stay tuned. has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers who, despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do and we salute you. say how can you spend your day with three-year-olds seeing the changes that they go through and just the journey and how they grow this is a very rewarding job even though at the end of the day we're not the highest paid people on earth and when I have a parent contact me and say my child loves school that to me I'm setting that foundation for their love of learning because really you are changing lives you are molding lives shape the next generation of leaders teach Apply today at artchicago.org slash schooljobs. At Catholic Charities, we want to remind you that we are here for anyone who is a victim of domestic violence or anyone who has a concern about someone they think may be a victim. Domestic violence affects millions of people each year, both women and men, of every race, religion, culture, and economic status. It includes physical, psychological, and emotional abuse inflicted in both subtle and overt ways, the impact on children can be devastating. If you or someone you know are victims of domestic violence and you are looking for a place for healing and recovery, call us at 773-935-3434 in Cook County and 224-430-4977 in Lake County. A safer, happier tomorrow can begin today. We're back, WNDZ, 7.50 a.m. Catholic Chicago, 312-255-840. You can go to YouTube, 
Facebook.com slash Catholic Cigar with Charles Heinrich. I got to say, Mark, just during the off the air, just what, Mark, what Charles just said. Oh. He was trying to look stuff up about me in the college seminary. Poetry and, and he said arts, he her, the arts. He was so good at her poetry. I said, Charles, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> I think I missed that day of class. <laughs> well, well, here's a piece of trivia that probably is not in the archives. But when we were there as students, we did the first non-equity production of Godspell. I have that program. Do you really? Yeah. 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 Uh, wow. Were you in it, Mark? Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you what, play? I played the guy that sang We Beseech Thee Hear Us. The, no I forget the name, but he had different names for the character. Now, tell us a story about the pool. Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if this is accurate or not, but this, might was, be legendary. this, was, tell, folk, tell tales. this was folklore in our day. As you went down Stretch Hall, down this big room, in, into the tunnel to go to the gym, there, that was where the pool was mm-hmm. when it was an orphanage. Yeah. And we were told, and people heard it, when you walk through, every once in a while you'd hear a voice because one of the orphans drowned in that, in that pool. And in my four years there, I mean, I spent many times going from the building to the gym underground to play basketball mm-hmm. and would work on the weight room. And, uh, but I never heard that story about possible voices because of a drowning mm-hmm. from the orphanage. I didn't know there was a pool down there. Yeah, there wasn't. What, well... Did you find that or not? I I didn't see any specific stories or or ghost stories, okay. but I wasn't I wasn't looking for them. Okay. But now, does your archival material speak much about when it was the Polish industrial orphanage? We have materials from the Saint Hedwig's orphanage. That's its own separate collection. Gotcha. So we have yeah. materials about that and some things about the buying of the orphanage mm-hmm. uh, for the use when when that happened in the 1960s, when they bought the building from the St. Hedwig's be group. I haven't find or talked, when I talk about the, uh, the wrecking ball coming, uh, to about 10 years later, I was actually talking to a guy somewhere who was part of the crew that tore the building down in 1994, and he said, he said, Father Greg, when we were smashing that building, the walls were... F- 14 inches thick. Oh, yeah. It was built it like was, a fortress. It was built like a fortress yeah. back in 1910, completely. Mm. said, it was inc- we were amazed at how much work we had to do to get it down because he said those walls were thick. Well, see if you have any recollection or opinion when I say a few names of the rectors. So ah. Archbishop John Blasney, he's Archbishop in Winona, then Portland, he was rector. Anything on John Blasney? He was rector. Um, he was actually rector for only briefly in Niles. As I think it was right before you came on as a faculty, Father Greg, because he was in yes. 81 to 83, that is I correct. believe. So it seems almost like he came to Niles and then got immediately promoted uh, to bishop after Because he was followed by Father McLaughlin, yes. who came in 84. No, no, no. He came to Niles in 1984. And Bob left in January of 90 to become the rector of Holy Name Cathedral. Yes. yes. What did you learn about him? Anything pop up? Uh, you know, Father Father McLaughlin, um, he he was very, um, that's obviously when you were on faculty. I read a lot of his newsletters where he's talking about. Red Square. Uh, yes, yes, the Red Square. Guess and, what? Uh, I, gave, I gave that name. Oh, really? I was part of the communications team, and he wanted to do a weekly column or a monthly column in, this, in the newsletter. I said, what about the name 
Red Square. And he kept that at Cathedral, too. Yes, he did. I had wonder, wondered if that was because it was a nickname or something. Yeah, his nickname were, was Red. Uh, were there any notes on him calling Father Greg in for disciplinary <laughs> actions? <laughs> no, that would have been uh, Father uh, Bill Godard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, what about, yes, yes. what about Bill Godard? You know, he... Um, he he was the second rector of Niles College. He can, he's definitely a kind of a shift, uh, a shift in a shift in tone. He's a lot more uh, reserved and quiet um, than the first rector, Monsignor Eugene Lyons. But he also was coming at the very tail end of like that wild, um, or rather that very like chaotic period I was talking about before the break of the 1960s. Father Goddard started in '71 when I was a freshman. Yes, yes. Monsignor Lyons had just left. Yes, to become pastor of Faith, Hope, and Charity yes. in Winnetka. Anything, and, and this is an interesting Look one. Look at one little a photo of Cleet Kiley. Uh, yeah, we have a, on the screen a photo of Cleet Kiley. Uh, Father, I'm going to go back. Father yeah. John Canary was a student there. Yes. And he worked with, he worked for Father Stan Rutke. Mm, yes. And he was rector, then eventually rector at Munline. One of the, his jobs was to, there they are, take the chorus and the orchestra. And, what, and he had a dream that they could be an orchestra hall. So I don't know if there's anything on that, but John Canary was instrumental in making that happen. So they, they did the War Requiem, they premiered it in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, down at Orchestra Hall, but John Canary. Anything on John Canary? Uh, John, well, John Canary's name pops up all over uh, student government, um, oh. a lot of other different uh, uh, student writings and things like that. He was a very active part of uh, active part of the seminary uh, seminary life, and later, you know, taking on more and more responsibility. Right. Father Stan Rudke, um, I mean, he was such a huge. Oh yeah. Uh, I I don't know. I guess you could call him the local star of Niles College, just yeah. because yes. of the amount of yes. uh, musical performances that he had, whether at the whether at the Lyric or at the Orchestra mm-hmm. Hall or things like that. He, he turned the Niles Choir into quite uh, quite a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, we were, oh, was, my gosh, look at that. Greg had a solo yeah. at yeah. one of those concerts. Yeah. It, uh, <laughs> <laughs> look, look, it looks like my, my first communion picture. Is that Father uh, Tom Hurley? Yeah. Yes, it is Father Tom Hurley. Yeah, and, Father Tom Hurley. Uh, as well as Father Greg. That's uh, one of your uh, articles out for the for the Niles. Amazing. It's like my first communion picture. <laughs> now, you were a student, but you were a collar? No, no. I was, that I was, was on, when he was on the faculty. I, that's when I was oh, when you were director. on the faculty. I, yeah. I didn't take uh, my per, glasses uh, off. Did you run across anything from the late 80s or early 90s about the summer festival? Yes, actually, we have a lot of the programs and some of the pictures. Performing from the Arts Festival? Yes, the Performing guess Arts what? Festival. That was under the direction of Mark Teresi. Oh, was it? He, yeah. was the, he, was the, uh, he spearheaded that. The idea was we were isolated in that corner at Tuing Harlem, and not only people on the board, but the rectors wanted to open the place up. Mm-hmm. So that was like five weeks or whatever it was. It was on a Sunday. We invited the community. It was a Here's a little side note. So Nick Blaze, who was the mayor, was not involved. He wasn't real mm-hmm. thrilled with the idea. But he came the first week, and uh, it was jammed. And all of a sudden... Second week, second week, he's in the front row, standing up with his hat. Waving <laughs> <on people>. <laughs> <laughs> never, never let a good opportunity get exactly. away. Okay. Exactly. Also, I just thought of it now. I think it was back around 1987. I organized a softball game between some of our students mm-hmm. and faculty to take on Q101. 
the, the um, radio disc jockeys from Q101. Oh, really? 103, 10, yeah, Q101. And um, I remember that I organized that and think we beat We had like, a lot of fun, and we oh, took yeah. a lot of initiative as students and yeah. as faculty. You know, it's amazing to me the, how many um, things the students were involved in mm-hmm. just going over the course of the collection. I mean, the student government itself was extremely active and prolific yes. in writing, which yes. um, comes as a surprise, you know, to me nowadays. Um, and between the... The art and the students themselves at the records were also quite very socially active, whether through the apostolate programs. That's what I was just going to mention. We ran that program. So the seminarians ran a program with 30 some parishes during the summer. Yeah. Interviewed all the parishes, mm-hmm. placed the people, evaluated. Yeah, I, I haven't thought of that in years. But it was a good point. Oh, before we have, Kyle, we've got about 15, 20 seconds. Another piece of trivia you found about the seminary that's yeah. fascinated you. That's fascinating to me. I think one of the one of the most fascinating things um, for all of Niles College. Again, you have uh, that first rectorship of Eugene Eugene Lyons, and uh, the him him having to like put out fires during this that during the the crazy '60s, and that again to me that stands out as some mm-hmm. of the most entertaining things. There's so much great stuff in the Niles College collection. Uh, people that want to go see it. Uh, you know, whether it's alumni. Give us or, a phone number or a website. Yes, the website is archives.archchicago.org, archives.archchicago.org. Uh, we have a contact page on there, and you can set up an appointment to come view the collection. I'm, we're very hopeful that people interested in the history of seminaries, the history of formations, uh, will be able to see and learn we more. We need to bring it to a close. We're really running late here today. I want to thank in a very special way archivist Charles Heinrich, Charles, thank you for joining us. It's been a great program. Mm-hmm. Thanks also to Mark Teresi. I helped walk down this memory lane. Yes. Yeah, Special thank thanks you very to uh, much. Clinton Cottrell and Michael May for the great work as producer engineers. To our listeners, God bless. Have a great weekend coming up.